0: Thank right. you. see I'll say what you want me to say say what you want me to say, dear Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. There's sure You want me to be.
1: All right, that's a little weird singing and preaching, but (laughs) I got to get used to it. I'm glad y'all gave me the opportunity to do that. The first thing I want to say is just appreciate all the support, the love and compassion I have from this church. As far as most of y'all know, my family is really small, It's it's three of us. It's well, I'll say four. It's my uncle, my sister, my mom, and me. That's it. But this church makes up the rest of it. But as far as me going in school, I'm going to Macedonia Bible College online. And it's been a challenge. For one thing is, I got a little bit of learned this, but I got, I'm dyslexic. So 90% of it was just reading. So what happens is I'll read about one page. I'll get up and walk five minutes because my mind went blank again. But it's working out, and somehow, it's by God's grace, I'm still a straight-A student, still working a full-time job. But Macedonia's got a lot more to offer than what I realized. They have started a new program where they're trying to give Bible college to around the world, and the people that graduate from them, they make it really affordable for the for missionaries that's going that's going through their college. For me, after I graduate, well, I'm still going to be going back to school because where my education stops is where the congregation education stops. So I always have to be a step farther than everybody else. So it's always a learning and working progress to be to be anything in ministry. But as far as this program I'm talking about that they are running. As long as you graduate from them, the only thing it'll cost you to take an education to a third world country or any other country is just the prices of the supplies. They write in their own language. You want to turn that slide? There you go. It's accredited school through America, which in another country it probably don't mean that much. But to us it does, because everything we go through has to be accredited. And one of the biggest things I like is they do use the King James Version of the Bible. It's the truest word that we have in English to God's Word when it's translated and every time you get another translation of the Bible some of it's missing so it's best to go by what's what's there what's the most accurate we have in our language and a lot of your colleges now they do say they're Bible college and they do use the Bible but they'll switch from Bible to Bible and I don't think that's right. But anyway, flip it again. This is some of the places that um, Macedonia is in right now, working with missionaries in Kenya. The next one, they're in the Philippines. They're in India, Uganda, and there's 35 other countries that are actually in working with missionaries to get, get the... Um, College age students, a biblical education. As far as me this year, in the last week of June, I'll be going back to Camp Bimi for my second year of mission training. Now, I'm still not 100% sure where I'm going, which, that's understandable. What I've been doing and trying to find the right country for me is I've been trying to, I've be going to each different country. There's there's 194 different countries in this world. And what I've been doing, I've been going to each country, well, not going to them, but looking them up online and figuring out what their needs are and praying for their needs and see if that's where God wants me to go. I'm willing to go where he wants me to serve. I don't think we really, I don't think that's really a choice for us. When we're ready to go, he's going to send us where he wants us. And there's one country that keeps coming back to me over and over and over again. And that's Peru. Y'all going to flip it again? Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I forgot about this one. Next um, summer, I'll be done with college. I'll have enough credits. And plus, I have to have a pastor's letter saying that, that I do work at the church. Well, do stuff at the church. But I'll be able to get my be a full-time missionary through BIMI you got to have 96 credits or you got to have 60 credits with a pastor's well pastor's letter and by the end of this year I'll have my 60 credits so the one country that's I said I'm not 100% sure which one I'm going to but one keeps coming to me is Peru and Peru's got a lot of different needs as they are they only have six missionary families in the whole country through BIMI so we take the population of Peru that's Peru that 33 million, there's 2,114,285 people for each missionary. They're not getting the word out like they need. And everybody thinks that Africa is the most, is the place that has the most people without the biblical education, but actually it's the Amazon basin. There's more people that's lost in the Amazon basin than anywhere in the world. And the biggest religion in Peru is 78% Roman Catholic, and it was brought over by Spain when they went down. Some of the other things is they're known for potatoes, which that's an oddball thing to be known for. And they're known for their culture as being happy-minded people, as people being accepted. And they do have a democracy style government, so you ain't got to worry about going to a communist country and all, which That's kind of a blessing for me. But anyway, some of my fears of actually becoming a missionary, and this is kind of the weirdest thing in the world, is laziness. And the reason why I say that is because when I was at BIMI, they were talking about a lot of them they were pulling off the fields because what they were doing was they were taking the money from the support. And they only had to report back every three months, so they make enough time to make five photos, make a support, make a letter for support, send it back, look like they were doing something, but they weren't. They're basically living what I would call like today in our country is on the welfare system, which is wrong. You're stealing God's money at that time. I don't know why that bothers me because I've never been a lazy person, but it's just one of those things. Another thing is that kind of got the fear is different cultures, because we're not when I'm gone, I won't be able to just go to Walmart get anything I want. A lot of stuff you're going to make, a lot of stuff you're going to have to order in, and you can get right off the bat, which is a blessing where we live at. Another one is learn different language. I can't speak English really good, more or less, another country more or less Spanish or something like that. But I know through God's provision and this is his will, it will happen. Some of the things I want to accomplish before I go, I would like to go in the field and work with the missionary before I just go. Because what we see on a mission trip is great. It opens our eyes. We see how much better we have it here. But the thing is, we don't see what's happening in the background. Like I was at, when I was at, B-I-M-I. We had missionaries talking about from Cuba where they were held up by gunpoint multiple times and we never see that here. But there's so much more going behind the scenes than what we do see. So it would be nice if I could take a, like a month or something to work with someone just to know how it works and how to make it work. If that makes any sense. And I'd like to ask for prayers on this. Because no one goes in the mission field without God being on their side. It just ain't something you s- you just sit up here and say, hey, I'm going to do it one day. Because it does don't work that way. There's so many people that think that. They think you just say, hey, you're going to be a pastor. And no, you're called to be that. And honestly, this call has been a long time. I just kept on neglecting it. You asked me this five years ago to come up here and talk to you all? I'd be, yeah. Y'all get someone else to do it. It was only three years ago I went and do um, prayer requests on Wednesdays or sing up here. The first time I sung up here, Miss Melissa told me to just stare at my paper because I wasn't looking at y'all. <laughs> but it's getting a little more comfortable. I'm still nervous as can be. But that's about all I got because I really don't know what to put as a mission report because I'm not out there yet but I'm working my way to it. So if I ask prayers for that, it would be an awesome thing. All right. Before I get to my message, this could be a rough message at first because it ain't going to make no sense till the end. I'm just going to bring it out there. Before I even start, I just want to think, say how thankful I am to be in a mission-minded church. We just... We just brought six more missionaries on this year, which is a great thing. A lot of churches are hurting right now, and we're still able to bring more people in. So that means we're still growing in spirit. So before I get started, I'd like to pray. Dear Lord, please calm my nerves a little bit. I'm a little rough rough up here. And Lord, just speak through me. I know I'm just your vessel. I'm just your tool. And I know that there's a whole lot more people smarter and better than me, but I know you said if I'm willing, you will use me. So, Lord, please let this message bless us. And please let us have a good time. In your name, amen. All right, we're going to start in Acts eight. This is called, I call this message, God's problem with the church. In Acts 1.8 it says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the other most parts of the world or the earth. In Acts two is a preparation for the church. We see the Holy Spirit working through Peter and John at Pentecost. And we see God empower the church and using the Holy Spirit to repair the church to carry on His plan. But as we see it, this is the first thing that Peter did during Pentecost was is that we see the expounding of the Scriptures. Second, we see them exalting the Savior. And third, the last thing we see is while Peter was was expounding the Scriptures. While Peter was expounding the Scriptures, the Holy Ghost got a hold of the Jews at that point. And we look at the end of verse 37, they were crying out, they're saying men and brethren what shall we do during Pentecost these Jews were so under the conviction that they wanted to be saved and do something about their sinful conditions this is the same way that God builds churches today he sends a man that is called by him that man expound, expounds his uh, um, scriptures exalt how good our God is and the Holy Ghost comes into the sinners and, and makes them where they want to repent. It's not our, I don't know how to put this, but it's not really our job to um, try to get them to go to salvation. It's our job to tell them about it. The Holy Ghost will do, that, will do that for us. So starting in Acts 3, we'll start seeing the problems that God had with the church. And like I said, it's, at first it seems like blessings, but we'll have to go to the end. The first problem we had was the miracle problem. In Acts 3, 1, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that enter into the temple. Right now we're seeing that Peter and John comes up to the temple where this, is, this able man's just sitting there begging for money. But they didn't have money to give him. They gave him so something so much better. that Then money could never buy this. We'll see this in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I have none. But such as I have give, I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They gave him his, his mobility back just through the name of Christ. There's one thing that we see here is the miracle that God has put through the, one of the through the apostles. We don't see these miracles today for one reason. As far as a man just coming to you and saying that you're healed, it's not going to happen because that was one of the spiritual gifts that died off when it when the Bible ended, when John died in Revelation, That's one of the 11 gifts that's not taken. But we still have miracles today. God still performs miracles every day, every minute, every second. Us breathing is a miracle. And the, well, what I came up with was the way I was born was a miracle. And I've used this a couple of times, but my mom's teeth were tied three years before I came out. So that's one out of 150,000s of a chance that would happen. But I'm here. Don't know if that's a, that seems like a blessing, but it might be cursing. You. I really don't know. <laughs> the second problem we see, the Church of Jerusalem had a money problem. This is an unusual problem for a church to have. Most of time we see that someone's having a money problem, it's because of lack of money. It's not because i having way too much money. And we'll see this in Acts 4, 36 to 37. And Jose, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of Consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We see Barnabas selling everything he had just to give it to Christ. And he was praised for it. Then we'll see that Ananias and Sapphira promised to sell their land and give it all to the church. And we'll see this in Acts 5, 1-3. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of it, of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep part of, back, keep part of the land back? Since he lied to the Holy Ghost, he fell to his death right in front of him. Three hours later, his wife comes, not knowing what happened, lies to Peter, and she dies on the spot too. And we see that in verses 8 and 9. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. And then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband which at the door, and should carry thee out. Which this is, I'm glad we don't see this day because let's be honest. Us keeping money back is basically the same as keeping our tithing back. There'd be a lot of people just fall over. And the weird thing I thought about this whole story was, Peter never stopped preaching. They fell over. He just said, hey, y'all four over there. Go dig a hole and put this this gentleman in it. But he never stopped. But a modern-day thing is, money is root of all evil. We see the evil part through Ananias and Zahira. We Be something like John Rockefeller once said. He always, he was a, said he was a greedy man. He said that he could go for 100 years and spend a million dollars a day and still wouldn't run out of money. Which that just shows one thing. He had way too much money. He could have been used for other things. The third problem we have is a multiplying problem. We see throughout Acts how fast the church of Jerusalem grew. In Acts 1 through 15, they had 120 people present. In Acts 2 through 41, they baptized about 3,000. Acts 4 4, the number of men grew. To about five thousand, and in Acts six two, they stopped counting them. The people just started calling the multitude. And to be honest, the churches churches today would love to have these problems. So why was these blessings actually something that God had to end up persecuting the church for? Well, if remember back in Acts one eight, the Lord gave church of Jerusalem His commission. They were supposed to be witnesses. For him, to Jerusalem and Aegea and Samaria and other most parts of the world, but guess what? They never left Jerusalem. They spend all their time, their money, and their and their spirit in Jerusalem. So while there's multiple multiple people being saved in Jerusalem, the rest of the world was going to hell. And the weird thing about this verse, a lot of people looks at it and it says, "Well, they're in Jerusalem. That's where they're where that's where they started." Well. That's not what the verse is. It says they should go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. It didn't say to start in Jerusalem and work your way out. But anything that hinders the Great Commission is a big problem to God. This is why these three lessons were actually turned out to be a problem, because they kept it all in, in Jerusalem. I said multiplying problem ain't a bad thing. But when you leave it all in one place and don't spread these people out to teach others, it is. As we, and then we start seeing the persecution of the church. The first persecution, we see, is distributing over distribution. We see in Acts 6, is the start of the persecution of the church. Since the church was not using the money that the Lord had sent them to carry out the Great Commission, they found other ways to use it. So, they used, so what the first thing they did was made a, a program to take care of the widows in the church. Which, this ain't a bad thing. We were actually called to take care of the people in our church. We are called to take care of the widows in our church. God commanded us to do that. So they were distributing the money to the widows in the church. So one day, one of the widows felt like they were they weren't getting as much as the other widow. So so the church ended up setting up seven men to take care of the money situation. These seven men are known as what we did, called the first deacons, the seven, first seven deacons. But the thing is, they were still putting this money on other things to fulfill in the Great Commission. That's the reason why I was wrong. It is not wrong to be helping the widows. It's wrong when you're neglecting the Great Commission to do this. This is God's first command to us. And this is one thing, anything that neglects the, um, the um, Great Commission is a problem. And this is a bad example, but one thing I've been hammered on at BIMI through mission classes is marriage. And that sounds weird. But what they're saying is a lot of these people are taking their money. Instead of building a church, they're getting married with it. Which marriage is not a bad thing. It's first thing God was one of the first things that God set up. But when you're over when you're using your money for that instead of building your church and you going for the Great Commission, there's an issue there. And if a church has so much extra money that they, they don't know what to do with it, first thing is that church needs to go on a mission diet. Here's a Bible note. Out of seven these men that were chosen to be the first deacons, which they were chosen by God, I'm not trying to put These other two, there's only two that was ever mentioned again afterwards. One is Stephen, who preached one message and got stoned to death. And the other is Philip, which became Philip the evangelist. The second persecution that the Lord brought to the church was the death of Stephen. And we'll see this in Acts 7 58, 59. And cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit we got to realize Stephen had to be a brilliant young man he was well known in the church he was one of the first deacons and with no doubt his death had to be a big toll on the church And to be honest with you, this is not not written in the Bible. This is something that I think. I believe the church of Jerusalem just fulfilled the Great Commission. Stephen wouldn't have died being stoned. As I said, that's my thought. I believe God had them stoned just because they weren't actually doing what he called them to do at first. So the third persecution we see is the dismantle the church. The Lord turns... Saul loose at the church of Jerusalem, and we'll see this at Acts three through four. As for Saul, made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and helling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, were preaching the word. All this, I believe, could have been avoided, which is not written in the Bible. But I believe it could have been avoided if they just went by what God told them to do in Acts 1 8, which was to go tell his word to the rest of the world. And I actually got these two written down Acts 1 8, which is, says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the othermost part of the earth. We see in Acts 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Acts 8, 1. And Saul was consulted unto death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. Well guess what? Except the apostles. But guess what? It's kinda of amazing looking at those two verses after going through everything in the acts right there. That even though they didn't want to go, God made them go anyway. He sent them out with persecution and they still went out to be a witness for him. So life situation so example of this would be when I was racing cars. I mean, I, I went to um, Uganda, and I was still racing cars. That's all I thought about was racing cars. And there's a thrill rush of racing cars. I mean, you've got to realize when you're out there and they say green light go, that means you're, you're hitting the guy in front of you. You're going. And when you throw that car in a turn, there's three and a half Gs of G-force coming through your stomach. That's almost as equivalent as jumping out of a plane. It's actually a little bit more than jumping out of a plane. But the thing is, I had this rush for that. It was this adrenaline rush. I went to Uganda and came back, and guess what happened? I felt this calling, a guy going, what? I want you to work for me. I was like, well, this ain't going to happen. I kept on saying no. Three weeks later, I jumped back in the car, and guess what? That adrenaline rush was gone. I said, well, it'll come back. There was only two races left. I put the car back in the garage, rebuilt it. Went back out there next year, it was gone. I didn't have that adrenaline rush at all anymore. That adrenaline rush used to keep me up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning after work just because that's how much of adrenaline he had. And that's one of those experiences you won't know until you jump in one. But I'm glad he did. I'm glad he got rid of that because it was nothing but a money pit. I told people if you want to be a millionaire racing cars, start with 2 million because you're going to lose that much. It's just a money pit. But I believe today we know what to do. We're just not doing it. And we're in a great church. We support a lot of missionaries, but we could do a whole lot more. So going through, so what about America? Are we doing our part to fulfill the Great Commission in America? Most churches today just give enough involvement in their to smooth their conscience in the mission, as far as missionaries. They put more on their signs than they do preaching behind the pulpit for for missions. But missions just ain't overseas. That's right here. So here's a question. Out of 195 countries, where's, where's America ranked that needs church planners, needs missionaries? Anybody got to answer that one? It's actually four. We're number four out of the world that needs missionaries. And to be honest with you, there's people in this church that's more qualified than I'll ever be. There's people up here that can sit up here and speak, can read a whole lot better than I can. But the thing is, you've got to be willing to go. And that's where God, like I was telling like I had this discussion with God before. I said, I don't know why you're calling me. I said, I'm nobody. i got learning disabilities. I can't read really well in front of everybody. More or less, sit up here and speak. And this is the answer I got. If you're willing to go, I'll bring the rest. So as as I say, we're number four. So what about our Jerusalem? We live in the Bible Belt, where most of your missionaries are are sent out to But how many people actually attend a church weekly in the Bible Belt? Only about 30% of people lives in it. And there's a lot of people out here that's lost. What about our Judea and Samaria? There's one independent Baptist Church for every 581,000 people in Los Angeles. We're losing a lot of people. There's 80 million people that lives between Washington DC and Boston. This is almost quarter of the population of America. And there's only 33 independent Baptist churches that's trying to meet the needs of all these people. We're losing the battle at home. And we need a lot more people sent just home. I know what people are saying right now. We'll just pray for more laborers, which we should. That's the only prayer request that Jesus ever gave us. Let's pray for the laborers for the harvest. Well, what happens if Jesus is actually asking you to go? Are you willing to go? What is he going to tell to get God moving? Oh, get you moving for God? There was this statistic taken in 2015 that said that 85% of the people that took this survey would move out of the country if they made more money or their job told them to. But they're not willing to move for God which is more important than anything that money could buy you. And these people around us that's not coming, that's not going to to church, I'm not going to say that they're not getting saved. But the majority of these people, that when God puts them on our heart, there's a reason why. When God sends that one person that walks by you and you get this thing, hey, I need to talk to them. And we don't. And they die and they go to hell. Guess what? We're going to answer for that. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I'm guilty for it. I'm pretty sure everybody else in here is guilty for it. And their bloods could be right on our hands. And I don't know how to answer for that. I know I'm guilty for it. I don't know I, know I have to answer for it, but I don't know how to. I don't think any of us could. I mean, What are we going to say when God says, well, I sent that person so you could be a witness to them so they could be saved and you didn't do your job? And I probably was going to break down in tears because that person's in hell now burning because of me. so what i want to end this with is, is a statement so what will it take to get us out of our comfort zone and start doing start doing more to fulfill the great commission for christ just for our, just in our homeland our jerusalem land, judea samaria we're not all made to go out in this world we're all made to be here witnessing for christ in our own jerusalem well i'm going to pray right now and you want to close Dear Lord, please let this message be a blessing to someone and awaken their hearts. God, as America, I believe you have blessed us so much that we send so many people out to be a missionary for you, but we're starting to lose it in our home front. And God, we need to fix that, and it starts with us. And Lord, hopefully you speak with someone to their heart and get us on fire to do your commission. In your name, amen. Thank you, Brother Rob. Appreciate that, buddy. Tell you what, good to have a man that is willing to go. Amen. And, boy, tell you, he's came a long way. I mean, you remember a couple years ago when he wouldn't look up from his paper when he was singing? He'd come a long way. and. Uh, here, we as his church family, we need to be behind him, supporting him, hugging him, letting him know, hey, we're here for you, brother. There's no telling what God can do with somebody that's willing. And I'm, I'm thrilled that we got a man in our church that says, hey, God's called me and I'm going. And so, brother, appreciate it, Robbie. Thank you, brother. Appreciate what you showed us about your plans. We'll be praying for you, helping you, and uh, enjoyed the message. Thank you much. Y'all are dismissed.